Welcome to A Correction Podcast. I'm your host, Lev Moscow. Today, very happy to be joined by Stefano Ugolini, who's an associate professor of economics at the University of Toulouse. Welcome to the show, Stefano. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's really a pleasure for me. Yeah, it's, well, it's a pleasure for me too. I'm very excited to talk about our topic today, which is helicopter money in uh, 17th century Venice, which could not, believe it or not, could not be more relevant today. So let's begin <laughs> with Milton Friedman's idea of helicopter money. I have to admit, I don't really know what that is. I know I'm supposed to. So tell me. Actually, this is a quite an old idea because actually it was first circulated by by Milton Friedman in a famous 1969 article where he said, well, just suppose that one day an helicopter uh, would drop banknotes in the streets. And that's, so, so this was quite some sort of theoretical example uh, for him that he just wanted to show that actually if that uh, happened, that would have an immediate uh, effect on prices because according to, to Friedman, in, inflation uh, would only strictly depend on the quantity of money that would, would be available. But actually, at times past, I mean, some Friedman was uh, talking about that. Some economists started to, to to really think about this idea and say, okay, but maybe in, in, in some precise context, this may actually be a possible uh, policy uh, to adopt by a central bank. And so, especially as we came through the, the crisis, the, the, the global crisis since 2008 before, and then as we moved into the, the, the pandemic crisis uh, in 2020, um, there's been increasing interest actually into this policy option and a lot of discussion about whether this may be an optimal policy solution or not. Now, just to be clear, today does not literally mean dropping money from a helicopter. So what does it look like? Concretely, that would mean actually that the, the central bank might uh, actually create some, mo- some money and transfer it directly to money users. So imagine, for example, that the Fed would just credit your bank account uh, actually with a given sum of money. And that would be some form of uh, helicopter money, actually. That is coming from the Fed. So it's monetary policy, but uh, I always thought like those, say, like the $1,200 check that we got this year from Biden, I always thought that that was a form of uh, fiscal policy. Am I wrong? Yeah, actually, you, you, you need to be very careful on the, on the distinction between actually the uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy, because, you know, uh, both monetary authorities and, and fiscal authorities are part of the public sector, but their balance sheets actually are, are, are separated. And so... One thing is that the government uh, is transferring uh, you uh, this check. So this, this is actually fiscal policy. The, 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 the specificity of um, the idea of helicopter money is that it is the monetary authority that does so. So the idea is that you have, it, it, it is only the balance sheet of the monetary authority that is impacted and not the balance sheet of, of the government or the fiscal authorities. Okay, and this means that the Fed could just sort of do that on its own. It doesn't need to go through Congress to do it. Yeah, exactly. And again, this may seem like a very elementary question, but where does that money originate? You know, in in, in our system, money is always fiat money. So 
it always, in any case, it comes out of nothing uh, in a sense. But uh, I mean, the, the big difference between typical form of quantitative easing that the Fed is actually implementing now and this idea of helicopter money is that uh, the Fed, in, un, under the quantitative easing framework, the Fed is creating money against public debt, which means that actually the way money is created, it is created when the, the Fed buys a government bonds. Okay, so this means that actually, at least from an accounting point of view, there is no loss for the central bank uh, because uh, the central bank always has these uh, assets on its balance sheet, that is the government bonds. The difference with helicopter money is that here uh, there is nothing uh, for the, the central bank as a counterpart of this money creation. So this means that actually there is a direct loss to the balance sheet of the, of the central bank. Okay, in, in practical terms, does that matter? It matters because at least some economists argue uh, that this might be a more uh, direct and more effective way to uh, stimulate the economy under some extreme uh, condition, especially because it would raise uh, inflation expectation, which is not necessarily the case with quantitative easing. There has been an attempt after, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, my understanding is there has been an attempt since 2008 to pump lots of money into the economy to, to stimulate it. We don't see a lot of inflation. We do, however, see some asset price. I don't want to say bubbles because who knows if it's a bubble until it's over, but we've seen the stock market, for example, and some real estate markets do really well. And some people suspect that that's because there's so much money being pumped into the economy. One, I guess, is, is, is that your sense of what's going on with, with the stock market? And two, why hasn't it led to inflation across the board? All right, so this is a very, I mean, complicated <laughs> question, and there is a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of disagreement in among the economists on why that this is the case. So actually, what I want to point out is is that I mean, in under the uh, until present in the last years, we don't we didn't see any case of helicopter money. Okay, so uh, what we did see was a lot of quantitative easing with the effects that actually you are uh, talking about. That is a lot, that all of these money is precisely pumping into the in, into the stock market and in inflating uh, stock prices without however uh, having a significant impact on and this is precisely why some economists are proposing the alternative of helicopter money no, because they do think that actually helicopter money may be more effective in raising inflation expectation and thus stimulating real economic activity rather than financial speculation so I want to get to a, a real-life example of helicopter money in the 17th century. But before we move on to that, I just want to stay with today one, one second longer. So, and this is just a factual question. Is it true that the government in the United States and also the ECB in Europe, is it true that the central banks have been pumping much more money into the economy? Or is, it, or is that not true because we're not really seeing helicopter money, but instead quantitative easing is just going to the markets? And if so, why is that? I mean, if you look at the, I mean, the statistics of monetary creation, you do see that actually central banks have created a lot more base money, the central bank money since 2008 than was the case before. So if you, if you just look at that, they would say, okay, they did create a lot of money. They did pump a lot of money into the 
into the, the financial system. But then you also have to take into account the fact that whole money supply in the system is not only made of uh, central bank money. The, most of the money that is created in our financial system is created by private, especially by banks uh, and even by non-banks uh, in our uh, modern uh, financial system. So actually, in, in, in many cases, actually the central bank money has increased because of a decrease in the creation of private, in the private creation of money. So in, a, in one of the reasons why you do not see so much inflation as monetaries like Milton Friedman would have expected to, to happen is that actually this money that is created by central banks comes as a substitute of a destruction of private money created by the banking system. Okay, that's clear. But then it brings me to another question. I had always been taught and I had always taught, and I think wrongly, that it was only the central bank that created money, that that's the origin of money in our system. So how is it that private banks can create money? Actually, the money creation mechanism is a complex one. Legal money, uh, strictly speaking, what we call base money is for banks. But this is only a very small share of the whole amount of monetary instruments that do exist in the monetary system. Okay, so banks, for example, they do create a lot of money when they, uh, you know, for example, when they lend money, they do credit uh, this money onto the, the, the borrower's account and they do create this out of nothing. Okay, so they, they have to keep some reserves uh, against that, but this is a very tiny, tiny fraction of what they have. So actually they have private banks, they have the power to create money as much as the central bank has. Okay, so this is not legal money, strictly speaking, but it still plays uh, the role of money, which means that actually, if you have, for example, if you have your uh, most of your monetary assets in your bank account, uh, this means that actually you are using, uh, you're mostly using privately created money and not uh, state-created money. You are using state-created money when you use banknotes, for example, because that are created by the central bank. But the money that you are using that is in your bank account, that is created by, by the private sector, not by the public sector. I see. So now let's talk about a, a case of helicopter money in the 17th century in, in Venice. So set the scene for us, if you will. What, what is going on in the 17th century in Venice and, and why the need for helicopter money? So the reason why we uh, chose to focus on this episode, in, it takes place in, in, in 1630 in, in Venice, uh, is that this is one of the, of the very rare episodes in history where you do see this kind of helicopter money uh, really happening. And this is actually a, a historic setting that is very much interesting for us because we are in a situation where there is a, a pandemic and that is coming into Venice. Actually, in, in 1630, Venice is hit by um, an epidemic of uh, bubonic plague. And so I mean, this is a very, very uh, dangerous kind of disease, much, much more dangerous than coronavirus. You know, the, the death rate with COVID uh, relatively mild 
while it was extremely uh, high uh, with the bubonic plague, uh, just to give you an idea, thirty uh, percent actually died out of out of this of this disease. Okay, so this is a very uh, very huge uh, real shock to the Venetian economy, and of course, the government there uh, is confronted with this very same kind of. Uh, dilemma that governments are facing now, which is on the one hand, uh, of course, they need to put in place containment policies because they really need the uh, disease to be to be stopped, uh, to be contained. And so they actually, they, they need people to stay at, at home and not to get, to get out so they cannot go, go to work, of course, they cannot go buy bread, uh, they cannot be fed. So, so they, uh, you, you need this kind of policies you know, in, in order to prevent the disease from spreading. But on the, on the other hand, of course, this has a huge economic cost because uh, people cannot go to, to work and you do need to feed them uh, if you oblige them uh, to, to stay home. So they are really in the very same situation in which uh, our governments are now. And so they have this trade-off, containment and, and costs and performance, and they have to take stark choices. And they do go for containment policy in quite dramatic way. Actually, in those years, they had already developed quite efficient containment policies. And the problem is that they need to finance this, of course. And the way they actually manage to finance that is precisely to go for helicopter money. Very good. Now, now tell us, how did they do that? And what were the short and long-term impacts of that? Okay, so Venice is a very uh, interesting case because this is one of the economies that, that monetized very early on. Actually, you may, you may happen to know about Venice. You know, this is a, a city that is located in the of, of a lagoon, so uh, it doesn't have any interland. So this means that actually people there, uh, much more than in any other uh, geographic context, were actually obliged to adopt and use money much, much earlier than in any, in, in, in any other uh, context. So already in the, in, in the Middle Ages, people used to, uh, to use money for any transaction. And so they were accustomed to have bank accounts. I mean, even the lower middle classes, they had bank accounts, which was something extremely uh, rare anywhere else. So this means that actually there was uh, in Venice that was very much similar to the one we we have today and thanks to that actually thanks to that infrastructure the venetian government actually managed to uh, create a lot of money actually they do they did use uh, the banking system and the public bank that was at the center of it uh, what was called the Giro Bank as an instrument to to monetize debt and so to create this helicopter money actually what they did concretely is that they started to buy a lot of special food, of course, to feed the population that was in, uh, in confinement. And they actually paid for this by creating bank money. So by crediting the, uh, the bank accounts of sellers of goods. And so they were creating uh, money out of nothing, but this of course, implied that they were creating holes in the public bank's, uh, bank's uh, balance sheet. So they were uh, generating losses to the central bank. So this is precisely the idea that we have with modern helicopter mm-hmm. money. So this is mm-hmm. a case of 
helicopter money be well before the invention of helicopters. And, and so you have to make the central bank whole again? What do you do? And actually, this is a problem because this is, of course, this means that uh, the, because the central bank has now uh, a negative capital, this means that actually there is, uh, there is a hole de facto in the central bank balance sheet. This does not generate much trust in central bank money. And actually, what we see is that there is a huge and violent depreciation of the, of the nation money. So they have to suspend convertibility of this money in, into, into gold and silver. So this becomes de facto fiat money. And the exchange rate uh, depreciates a lot. So this is, there is actually a, a, very, uh, a, a very violent inflationary uprise. And then, so what do policymakers do to solve the problem? Actually, what they do is that in order to, uh, to tame inflation and to stop the depreciation of this money, at one point, they decide to, to bail out the central bank. So they actually say, okay, there is this hole in, in, in the central bank's balance sheet. And so we are now taking care of that. So they uh, recapitalize central bank actually uh, a lot of the money that had been created into a long-term public debt. So in the sense, they reversed the very logic of uh, helicopter money because mm-hmm. they re-decon- reconvert this money into uh, public debt. So in a sense, they, they move this liability from the balance sheet of the monetary authority back into the balance sheet of the fiscal authority. Okay. And I suppose it's not the... Uh... Not the elite who pay off that debt. Actually, there is an interesting story here in terms of the political economy of this, mm-hmm. because uh, actually, when you do uh, implement this kind of helicopter money, you, you do generate some distributional effects to benefit those that are going to use this money. So, of course, if you, if I, I mean, if the Fed today creates money and uh, it transfers it onto onto your bank account, of course, this is a, a, a distributional effect. It is uh, favorable to you. Uh, and that is also the case with, in the short term uh, with the helicopter money in Venice. Of course, this is a distribution of wealth uh, in favor of those that, I mean, suffering from the, from the disease. So in the short term, actually, this is a distribution effect from uh, money holders, so the, the rich, actually, uh, towards the poor. But this is only in the short term. Because in the long term, what the fiscal authority is doing is to take in this back into its own balance sheet. And so this means that actually now future tax revenues are going to be used to repay this short-term debt that has been created during the pandemic. And here comes the trick in a sense, because in Venice, which was, uh, I mean, um, an oligarchic republic that was run by a restrict elite of merchants. Um, it was by, uh, I mean, of course, uh, the, the tax rate uh, tended to be uh, very much regressive. So which means that actually in paying taxes, there were distributional effects from the poor to the rich because the poor were paying a proportion much higher taxes than the rich. So when you do convert uh, this uh, helicopter money into public debt and you do use future tax revenues to repay this debt, then this means that de facto you are generating distributional effects back from the poor to the rich. 
So the, the result is that actually you do see some short-term redistribution from the rich to the poor, but this is uh, quickly in, in the midterm by a new redistribution from, from the rich to, uh, from, from the poor to the rich. Okay. And that is why actually you do not see any durable effects in uh, wealth uh, inequality due to this pandemic, which is not, for example, what you did see in other pandemics. For example, in, on the black plague in the, in, the 14, in the 14th century, you do see a durable effect, redistributive effect, and the, and, and the stark reduction in wealth inequality. This is not what you see in the, in the case. The uh, 17th century, there is not such... Uh, uh, a durable uh, reduction in, in wealth inequality, actually. And, and Stefano, finally, to come back to the present again, is it your view that quantitative easing is not or has not been very effective if the goal is to create some inflation and to, and to stimulate the economy and that what we need is another round of helicopter money? I mean, that's for sure. I mean, that's for sure that... Uh, quantitative easing so far at least not been very effective in to stimulate inflation. But then this is a question of how, how much desirable inflation is. And this mm-hmm. is rather a macroeconomic question that I'm, I mean, there's a huge debate on that and I wouldn't venture to, to, to <laughs> give you any uh, stark uh, answer on that. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that there's an important lesson from our research to uh, today, and that is the question of the political economy uh, again. Uh, so, of course, uh, I mean, you might uh, think that what has been done by governments so far might, in a sense, be some sort of distribution effect that is favoring the, uh, I mean, the, the less advantaged classes. But again, this may be quite, in a sense, um, an illusion. I think that actually, uh, if there is not a change in the way the fiscal system is organized, uh, again, in the long term, uh, the cost, the huge cost of this pandemic will again be borne by the lower middle classes. You know that de facto we are in all Western countries in a de facto uh, situation where there is there are regressive uh, tax rates. I mean, the ultra rich they pay relatively uh, less taxes than the than the lower and middle classes. So, and that is a huge cost of these pandemics will be supported by the lower and middle classes. So, in this means that actually, precisely as it was the case in Venice, in the long term, uh, it will be the poor uh, and the lower class and the lower and the middle class that will support. The cost of the pandemic and 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 will end up actually in into a, a very debatable in a sense uh, situation uh, in terms in political terms. Yeah, debatable debatable is one way to put it. Um, <laughs> you know, but of course, what was different about Venice in the 17th century is that it was, as you said, an an oligarchy run by the merchant class, and of course, our our system is uh, well. Yeah. Um, Thank you so so much, Stefano. I appreciate you giving us your time. Very, very clear and instructive and illuminating. So I, I thank you for giving us this time. You're really welcome. Thanks for inviting me.